everybody. I'm Izzy. And I'm Jessica. And welcome back to The, the greatest, greatest Genre, where today we are discussing Akatar chapters 37 through 41. This is part two of episode eight. This is our the spoiler sp- section. Wow, that was in real time. That was we did fun. not even prepare that. I am so impressed with this. Just a quick <laughs> reminder that if you have not read all of Akatar, Crescent City, and Throne of Glass, you do not want to tune into this episode. So this is your final warning to exit the podcast. You should instead use this time to read. Yes, you quickly. Because and then come back Releases to are approaching. Releases are approaching, <laughs> yes. Um, and we actually, we have some fun announcements coming soon about what comes next in the SJM verse for the greatest genre. Oh my God, I'm so excited. It's going to be great. So quick adult content warning yes once again and definitely definitely in this section of the podcast there will be adult content and adult language like the series itself sometimes Mm -hmm. contains adult content and adult language so if that is something that you are not comfortable with then unfortunately maybe this is not the episode for you but we hope that it is because we have a lot of fun stuff to unpack today yeah and I think on that note Let's just dive right Let's in. Let's just dive right in to... I'm going to do a cheers. Oh, yeah. I remember this time. You remember it and I forgot. I don't think we did one in part one. I think we did it here. Mm. That's right. Make up for it in the next episode. All right. We'll drink double. Okay. <clears throat> Chapter 37. This moment between Resand and Feyre. One of many in this. This is our big... This is this the is, real intro to Resand. Well, it's the real intro to recent Feyre. Mm-hmm. This is the first time they have alone time together. He's alone time. This is the first time. Well, I guess actually it's not. They have a very brief alone moment at Count Mai. Mm-hmm. But this is really. But not like, really because the Picts were there. And like right, they but he had, scares them away. They have a very brief mm-hmm. moment where it's just the two of them. This is a prolonged. He kind of becomes her her main point of contact. Yeah. During this stretch, which is a marked difference from her experience in Prithian up to this point. It's been either Tamlin, Lucian, or Alice. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk a little bit about bargains. And how they exist in more as a whole in yes. Prithian. So it was interesting to me that... He tells her bargains are, it is custom in my court for a bargain to be marked upon your skin. Which I don't know if it is in any other court. Do we actually get any references to bargains throughout the five books well, in the series? Well, it's interesting. He says now. it's a custom of his court, mm-hmm. but when Nesta makes a bargain with the cauldron, she is also marked. Mm. And the cauldron doesn't belong to any but court. Is, but Nesta is part of the night court, and we can't. Is Nesta voluntarily a part of the Night Court? Well, at that I point, like she's Nesta accepted. Nesta considers her... herself to be an independent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel, feel like, like Nesta. Po- is... I feel like SJM gives a lot of clues that Nesta is part of the I feel Night like Court. Nesta is a libertarian, <laughs> an anarchist, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, at that point, she's accepted her mating bond with Cassian, and she, you know, thrives in the Night Court, and she's accepted these people as her family. So because she at is the part of the Night Court, but we think maybe that's why she's marked. As a whole. But I, we do know that in the fairy realms, bargains are not something that is to be taken lightly. No, bargains are magical. It is, a, mm-hmm. it is not necessarily a bond made by two people. Mm-hmm. It is a bond that is sealed with magic. And it reminds me a little bit, actually, of the Unbreakable Vow, the mm. rules of the unbreakable vow in Harry Potter. Because Where if it is, you break it, you because die. Because it, mm. it is sealed 
by magic. Mm-hmm. And as we know in Prithian, magic loves rules. And so the that you have to be very specific when you're making bargains. And she tries to be. And she She thinks she's being clever, but she's just unfortunately she's not practiced. <laughs> she's not practiced. And Reese is definitely preying on her naivete here a little bit. But another detail I think he describes it as his in. Like in the uh in Mist and Fury, he's like, I made that's how I got my in with in, in with you, was mm. making that bargain. Because you didn't know what you were doing. So basically. he didn't just go down there to save her. He went down there because he want like because he knew that she was something special to him, and okay. he needed to make sure that. So his she motivations had some here were not one hundred percent altruistic. No, does he actually? Does he admit to the fact that he like needed to beat Lucian there, or did he come when he? I don't remember if he admits to that. I also. I think that Lucian eventually makes it down to her cell. Is it a couple of days after she's made the... It is a couple of days. She so wouldn't she, have survived. She probably would have been dead. And also, like, at this point, he already suspects that Feyre is his mate, as we know. And yeah. it is it causes someone physical pain to see their mate in any kind of harm. Oh, Which yeah. I have to ask about the bone twisting. Was that necessary? No, it wasn't necessary. Like, is he just trying to I scare mean, her? Because I know that there's this whole thing that he talks about in Mist and Fury. Actually, you know what? I said it wasn't necessary, but I do think Feyre would have let him walk out of the cell. Okay. She is that stubborn. She is so stubborn. She is that stubborn. She would have let him walk out of the cell. Now, could he have come back a day later and been like, offer still on the table? No, we, we did talk about in part one that she was on the brink of death. So would she have made it to day two? <laughs> would she have made it to part two of this podcast? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> So about the about the tattoo itself, mm-hmm. it says she says that the eye is feline cats. <laughs> <laughs> well spotted. Oh, oh, well spotted. <laughs> oh, Hermione, you're a girl. <laughs> so, anyways, cats, cats, Adis. Prince of Hell. Is there is a, a connection? found that is, I have no idea? No, I, I searched for it. I searched, uh, I searched. The cats in. No. In I Ed. searched, is there a connection between Hell and the Night Court? And it is. Which. Not why. We just don't have much to go on because mm-hmm. we don't know very much about Hell. But we do know that. Which one of them is the Star Eater? I think it might be Apollyon. Of the Asteri? No, the Princes of Hell. There's Adis, Apollyon. Oh, I don't remember. And then there's one other one. Which is... And he's the big bad one. And he's the one that Hunt meets. And he has leathery wings. Just There's so many, many different ways I don't that, remember. that they could all tie together. And, and how many of these are red herrings? And we've been focusing really... Or I've been focusing really heavily on this connection potentially between Maeve and Reese. Mm-hmm. And we know that Maeve is actually a Valg queen. But... We should not forget about the realm of hell, which is another world, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, so another world, another there's, universe. There's Terrasin, there's Lunathia, Midgard, Prithian, Prithian and then hell, well, Prithian is just is hell it's is a country in whatever world there. But in. hell is another world, and my my wondering is, is that where the Valg come from? Come from? Because there are many within hell, within the world of hell, there are many. H-E-L. There are many, like, circles, many levels, mm. right? And, like, Adis, I think Adis is the prince of the chasm. Yes, he right? is the prince of the chasm. Yep. So, it was, when I was, when they were talking about that feline eye, 
it made me think of Adis in his cat form. In his cat form. And then by extension, just the princes of hell in general and the fact that they have that shadow power. That's where Bryce is trying to get to when she ends, ends up, up in Prithian. In Prithian. And is there a reason for that? Oh, I didn't even think about that. So I'm just wondering, it's the first time that I've, because I've been so focused on this potential connection between Maeve mm-hmm. and Reese, Maeve and the Night Court, the Valg and the Night Court. Yeah, definitely that worth that noting now that there's, there's another avenue to consider about a connection between Hell and the Night Court. And it's tr- tricky because there are so there is so much to bear in mind as you are rereading this stuff that I, that is so not what my brain went. I just went, oh, feline. Reese's eyes are described as feline and his movements, his movements are described as cat-like and feline throughout a lot of this book. So that's immediately where my head went. I didn't even think about Adis. But it's important Cats. to note... <laughs> Cats. The cats in the library in Tower of Dawn. Yes. And I forgot about that too. It looks like you're going to have to index cats oh in God. Crescent City. so much gloss. indexing to <laughs> do. The, the holidays are coming up. My family is going to be like, what are you doing? You're like, like indexing I'm having cats? to index many terms across <laughs> the exhaustive works of Sarah J. Mass and catalog every <laughs> reference made to cats and leathery wings and violet <laughs> eyes and mind power mind speaking powers okay mm-hmm. that's my that's my list from now and we can always reference if you forget what it is because you have a lot to index yeah i do <laughs> i might have to maybe do you think ChatGPT can help me with that probably Stay anyways tuned. i mean really just the big overarching note that i had spoiler wise was that we're just getting all of the mate bond oh my god so many so much of it like she ha- she has primal reactions to him it's like she can't seem to stop talking to him she says she can't that her seem instincts, to be afraid right of she him. was like all the instincts that told me to be terrified of lucian and tamlin just didn't Don't work exist here around reese and also the the cap on herself that she does have around other high fae to protect herself she doesn't seem to have around him she can't Stop the word vomit almost. She contradicts him. She challenges him. She questions him. She's very fearless around him. And of course, because we know that's because mates are each Each other's other's equals equals in every single way. Exactly. And she cannot not challenge. Yeah. In that capacity. Oh, oh. And the night before the second trial when they're kind of like having a go at each other. Not in the physical spicy way. (laughs) In the verbal bantery way. Wait, which time is this? This is right before the second trial, and he come. He instead of just leading her out into the party, he closes the door, and he's like, "Your second trial is tomorrow," and mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh shit!" And then they have a little bit of a back and forth, and he's like taunting her a little bit and talking some shit about Tamlin, and she's like, "You know what? Your court fell too, so you're one to stand here and sneer and." And, and, then course, sa- and then she says, and then she says, she says a paint, but she says a something look flickered across his features, she and couldn't. she says she wouldn't have noticed if she hadn't felt it. And it's a very, mm. it's a very brief moment, but she was like, I felt his sadness when I mentioned his court, and then he like whatever he goes into his the banter, his act. the banter is gone, the moment is broken, and he goes back to being this very cold. Superior, superior character towards her. character. I do think because actually, I'm going to be a stickler about this. His court did fall. So I did some rereading in Mist and Fury, and I guess the only court 
that he brought to the only part of his court that he brought under the mountain to that that fateful party where was, everything went was down the nightmares right? was yeah it was the court of nightmares and they're the only ones he would allow to come i guess nobody- she slaughtered them half of them right away because reese is the so powerful that yeah, she, she basically to wanted to put forces. him in his place and be like, don't fuck with me. I am more powerful than you think I am. And so apparently he knew from that moment when she immediately slaughtered his half of the court of nightmares that she would never stop looking for mm. his dishonesty and for his true motives. And uh, so he well, said, I this is why. about that this too. Sh- and so like I was reading it and it was like, this is why I had to play the part so much more than everybody else did because she was looking at me harder. Because she he is, knows. well, because he's the biggest threat to her. Mm-hmm. Because he is the most powerful one of all of them. And, and he knows her. He's one of the, besides Baron and Tamlin, he's one of the only ones who really knows her. And I think, I think she had just marked him as the biggest threat right from the start. Which, and as I was rereading this and reading some of Reddit, I was kind of getting a little bit on hopping on your train where I was like, these are supposed to be the most powerful. Like SGM does, she does have this theme in all three of her series where she really hypes up the powers Mm -hmm. of certain individuals. And then when they are presented with situations in which they can use said powers... They somehow they, seem to they, be thwarted. Oh they, oh, they fall just very short. And and then I started thinking, like, even in the battle scenes in Akawa, like, you're telling me he can't miss all these people right away? Like his dad did to people? Like, he's supposed to be the most powerful high lord in the history, history of Britain or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm thinking, like, you're telling me that Asriel, a literal shadow singer, isn't going to find some way into the under the mountain to, like resolve some of these situations or that Amron isn't going to march in there and like right. fuck people up. And yeah. then and then I remember, then I was rereading and it was like he told them that if they were to come under the mountain it would compromise the safety of Valaris. Because no. I guess in his last minutes he wiped, including everyone in the Court of Nightmares, he yeah. wiped their memories of Valaris. So nobody Before knows that Before he lost exists. his power, he used, and it does take, the it would take a tremendous amount of power for yeah. him to be able to do that. I guess he and used I do recognize that. I do recognize that. But it was just one of those like plot holes that I was like, these supposed to be powerful people. Like the more I read it, the more. Yeah, but if the but if the but if they always win and nobody ever challenges them, then it's not a good story. But I hear what you're saying. I just think she shouldn't overhype it as much. Then sometimes, yeah, which just frustrated me slightly. Well, you just you want it to be a fair. I want it to be consistent. You want it to be a fair split between the powerful characters kicking ass and the powerful characters really being challenged and having to fight through Mm -hmm. and, you know, an adversary or some other kind of hardship that they're presented with. Right. It's funny. I, my brother Everett has similar gripes in some of the like Star Wars or Marvel movies. So what you were about to say in Akatar and I was like, Everett is reading Akatar. I would die of happiness if my brothers read Akatar. But um, (laughs) my other takeaway is that I get a little, I get a little bit frustrated with Amarantha actually in these Mm -hmm. chapters because Feyre, even Feyre, who is, you know, a human and has only been under the mountain for, you know, Mm -hmm. Two months and she's been kept in her cell the entire time. Feyre is already starting to pick like Reese's Reese's defiance is actually kind of obvious. Right? And and the and fact that's what we that, were touching on in the beginning. And yeah. the fact that Amarantha is like not 
at the very end, she's like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden she has this moment where she was like, you were planning this from the beginning. And it's like, well, it's like, duh. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to be clever. Didn't you deceive seven high lords? I thought. five. So since we're already talking about Amarantha, I'm going to go into my, mm-hmm. my notes about this. So when Feyre makes the second connection with Amarantha about first, you know, oh, we're both huntresses. Huntresses. Mm-hmm. Then she makes the connection about their love for their respective sisters. Mm-hmm. I found myself wishing, like, it would have been so cool if somehow the undoing of Amarantha could have been real. Like, I I almost wish that the riddle, the answer to the riddle would have been something to do with sisterly sisterly bonds, Mm. right? And I wish that somehow Amarantha and Feyre would have had this moment where Amarantha would have experienced what Feyre is experiencing, where all of a sudden she sees herself in Feyre, and that undoes her because she hates humans so much and she could not bear the thought of having anything in common with a human and I just I found myself wishing that that had developed into a more critical element of the dynamic between Feyre and Amarantha because I do think there was so much potential for those two women as adversaries to Mm. each other like I I found myself kind of sad knowing that the conclusion was gonna end up being Reese and Tamlin really being the ones that kind of well I think it's because with you and Ike and with readers of this genre as a whole sisterly and like female relationships are really what drives a lot of our love for these books and you get so much of that in Throne of Glass which is why I think I was gonna say which is why I think for the true lovers of I think I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth but <laughs> that is like the true favorite I think series well, the of end, people the who love her right. universe and what was so amazing in Throne of Glass was like of course you have these wonderful male characters who are very heroic but it's Dorian and Kale and Rowan at, but at the end of the day it is it's it the is, women it is Aelin and it is Irene, Irene and and even Lysandra has sacrificed so much the 13 man like it is it is the women and even like Elid's mother. Yeah, even Elid's Elid. mother, like yeah. like back who sacrificed herself and Calton, to save Aelin. What's her name? Caltaine. Caltaine. Yeah. Like it is I'm I'm actually getting covered chills. in goosebumps right now. Because exactly. That's And we don't really experience that in Akatar. Really we get little bits of it in the first four books. We don't really get it until the fifth one with Nesta and Gwyn and with Emery. I agree. And that ser- I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. I agree, I agree. <laughs> with that real, that sisterly, bone-deep bond that they yeah. form, I never actually feel that. I think that they love so, each other. Sarah is, our good friend Sarah. Oh, excellent friend Sarah. <laughs> our very close, <laughs> intimate, dear friend Sarah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> she is so good at writing those bonds. Female relationships. And she is mm-hmm. so good at evoking pride in like I am so when I read those moments I'm so proud to be a woman I know and even though they're not real to feel like I am part contributing. of contributing like, you are crying I see tears in your eyes oh my goodness you did it first it wasn't me <laughs> I was texting Jess last night I was like I think I might cry at episode eight and, and I was like oh are you ready <laughs> no it's just I think that's it's one of truly, the things truly that special. is so moving about Sarah's writing is the way that she writes moments of triumph for women. Mm-hmm. And to bring it back to this, it almost would have been a moment of triumph if we could have gotten that one inkling of 
connection yeah, between just, them in some kind of way and it never happened and I was also hoping for the full blowout like I wanted it to Emma come didn't. down to her and I actually the first time I read it I didn't the first time I had no notes about how the way it ended but I we loved, hadn't read everything I else the at crazy, that point I loved the crazy showdown I loved Reese throwing himself into mm-hmm. the fray Tamlin becoming unleashed it's incredibly exciting Feyre's dead but she's not dead <laughs> And like, just and you're just clear, like, and you're her like, premonition about her and dying, and we were being kind correct. of mean to her. Yeah, like no, she she's right. does in fact die. <laughs> yeah, and it's so exciting, and it's yes. it's the way that we love the last the few like one hundred pages, pages of any S fan book. You are stressed. You're very stressed, and it always always turns mm-hmm. out to be worth the wait and worth the angst. So the first time I read it through, I was exhilarated, and it was amazing, and the ending was. I could never have prepared myself for it on the reread after having read Crescent City and like that incredible bond between Bryce and Danica after yeah. having read Throne of Glass where the women come to, you know, and, and it's and it's Aelin and Maeve at the end. And that hero villain Again, the only time we get so that here crazy. is with Nesta and Braylon. Yes. And so I on the reread after all of that, I found myself wishing that it had come down to a little bit more you of wanted just the big Amarantha bad. and Feyre. You wanted the big bad to be Amarantha and in fact it ends up being the King of Highburn. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. I want to pivot a little bit and sure. talk about the dancing. Because I went into okay, Mist and Fury. Oh, oh no. Do we, should we do something that's funny? Yeah. And then something that's a little more serious? Yes, because okay. I have one that's really giggly. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. It's about Lady Autumn. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a fucking simp for Lady Autumn. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Hit me. Okay, so I just <clears throat> want to say I had a fan cast idea. Oh, okay. For the Helion and Lady Autumn miniseries. You have been holding out on me. Or I'm even ready. just, even just like the flashback scenes. <laughs> okay. So, I've already said Evangeline Lilly as yes. put her back in the auburn wig. Actually, She'll do she great. wore three wigs to play Tariel, just in case you didn't know. Okay. And my my fan cast here for Helion is purely very selfish, and I know that I've been very staunch on the whole SJM says that he's Persian, so I'm he must be Middle him. Eastern. Okay. However, am I hearing a butt? I said there's a butt coming here. However. <laughs> How great would it be if you put like four layers of spray tan on Aiden Turner? Who is Aiden Turner? He's Keely. You just want this to be a remake of The Hobbit. Oh my god! No, I don't. I'm just saying that they had such great chemistry, and Aiden Turner is so handsome. I mean, he is and very attractive. So, he just got. He just is really too white to play Heliod, and I'm sorry. I- no. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm just saying that I had a little moment with my imagination mm. picturing this on the screen and I was like, oh, what a way for the couple that never got to be to be. Except also they don't really get to be. <laughs> hey, plot. the series is not yet done. It was in plot hole in my <laughs> fan theorizing. There is no way that Baron makes it out of Akajaw alive. Full seven books. Oh, uh, yeah. Not with Eris coming for him. No. Eris is. I did so much. Re- I got so off task. <laughs> I think that's why my spoiler section is like maybe not as thorough as some of That's the- okay. Because, because I went back do. down the Lady <laughs> Autumn rabbit hole again because I just can't. I need more. <laughs> I do. So um, we're now we're going to talk about the dancing. 
Yeah, and this was, I agree with you rereading this. So even knowing everything that we know about Reese's true intentions and Mist and Fury, it doesn't negate the fact that it all happened. And I went forward and I found, I found his like qualifier for it almost yeah. in chapter 54 of Mist and Fury. And it wasn't enough for me. I, it, I don't think there is anything that can excuse this. The only thing I can think of is that if a lot worse would have happened to her somehow, if it hadn't been I don't him think it doing would have, it, though. you don't think that other people would have actually abused her, whereas this way he's like, only I can touch you. And but anyway, regardless of what it is, this is what he says. He goes, so we endured it. I made you dress like that so Amarantha wouldn't suspect. And I made you drink the wine so you would not remember the nightly horrors that happened under that mountain. It wasn't enough. Now... I, I almost wish he had said like he had heard chatters of other Which I think ideas. we can infer I mean, from some of the gods and the things that they wanted to do to her. I want to infer that. I do. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I just need... I And I think that this is SJM's flaw and not his as a character flaw because he would never. From what we know about Reese, he would never. And he has always gone out on a limb to say that he is always protected. I mean, I'm those. okay with <clears> the... For me, it would be okay, like, the dancing and the fairy wine. There was really no need for her to be that exposed. That was it for me. It was icky. There's no need. There, Like, that is what really makes it mm. sexual abuse. For her body to be fully exposed she against no. her will. That is not okay. So, I mean, that's kind of my main Like, even just, use, for this just one. use opaque fabric for starters, like the fact because that if it's Lucian, like a night, well, I guess it's like a court of nightmares fashion. It's even when she goes to like the court of nightmares, she's dressed she's scandalously, still, but she's still covered, but she's covered, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, why couldn't that? I don't want to get too much into it because I think we've said what we need to say about it, and we're not happy with it. But it's yeah. like that could have been done better, I think. And I agree with you. Like I went back to read it. I was looking for qualifiers about it and I couldn't really find one that I found ones that helped but didn't fully satisfy, you know? Yeah. Well, and like I said before, it's a very controversial scene within the fandom and I think like rightly so. I I understand why it would be upsetting to a lot of people. It was upsetting to read. And and on the first read, I mean, you know I'm a very chaotic reader. So like I was, I, I was just you. speeding through, like <laughs> going, like just trying to pick out whatever important tidbits I thought. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really take the time to read about how this made her feel. Feeling like you cannot leave a situation that you are uncomfortable in, and I think is, a lot of women will know exactly is what a that very, feels like. There's there are very few things worse than that, except for maybe being trapped under an iron hot grate with a riddle you can't read. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Feyre. She really, you know, she goes through it, but she's not Aelin in the box. No, and I stand by that. Remember when I read that before? I was like, you need to prepare yourself because I know how much you love Aelin, and nothing will ever be worse for any main character in SJM universe than Aelin in the box. That is. I read for the very first time like a full hate thread about Aelin. What? The other night. I almost sent it to you, but then I was like, I don't even I don't even want to We don't have time this. to get into that. But I, I was do like want I didn't send it. I was like I didn't, I didn't even know, that know this that existed. This was a part of this community. I found some <laughs> ones on Reddit that were like Feyre has no character growth throughout all five of the books and I wanted to click on it, but <laughs> Eyes. Just like 
in comparison to other characters uh, yeah. who have an insane Character arc, arc. Exactly. I would say that Feyre's is a little less dramatic, mm-hmm. but I do think she has growth. Yeah, a little bit. She, she gets she real cushy to, yeah. and high lady. That's, that's for sure. Coming from somebody who grew up not knowing how to read in a shack. Mm-hmm. And then I just had a, again, a funny little note that we I think we already touched on briefly, but... um. Mm. She knows deep in her bones that the third toss could be the one to kill her. Like, she is correct. She objectively dies. And how interesting that it turns out she has a sister who can see the future. Who is the mother? (laughs) (laughs) Who are the Ardron sisters? Really? I must know. Sarah, please tell us. Do you think that she'll come out with CC4 before she comes out? with Akatar no. 6. That is inappropriate and rude. No, no, no. Please. Please. I have two, I have two please for Sarah. The let me first. guess, wait, let me guess, let me guess. The Lady Autumn Helion <laughs> no, novella. No, no, listen. I mean, that's up there, but it's not, it's not pressing. I just want that someday. I don't need it, like, immediately. Right. The first plea mm-hmm. is just rune and hunt. Please, please let them be okay. Please, Sarah, please. <laughs> I'm begging you, just save them. The second plea. Mm. I need there to be some legs to this whole empty Archeron mother. Like, it has to be. The more I read about it and the more we talk about it, there is no way. There is no way. Fated mate with a human. No. Like, no. all of which have special powers more than regular high yeah, faith. sisters. Her two <laughs> sisters get dumped in the cauldron and they both come out with like insane powers. Like most humans I feel like wouldn't even survive being made. Mm-hmm. No, I I fully agree. Okay, so coming back to to chapters discussion 37 through 41. Having, right. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about, well, the next notes that I have are that Reese gets very cagey with Feyre when she asks him, what have you given up to be able to roam freely? Like, that's when he kind of does that mm, shutdown. He kind of shuts down. About. But then moving forward to our first unofficial intro to Tarquin. I just wanted to take a moment to talk about Tarquin because... And what a good person he, he is. Just, he is another person who I don't think gets anywhere near enough credit in this series. And I have to say, shame on Reese. I agree. Pre, like I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm gonna do a future shame on Reese for his treatment of Tarquin. And to Feyre's credit, Fury. she gets mad at him about this too, and is like, "You should have been honest with him because well, she just, pushes for him to actually wish, reveal his true self a lot sooner." And in the moment, in there's a moment between Tarquin and Feyre where she says, "She's like, in that moment, I almost just asked him. I think he would have. I think if they had told him the truth." And explained to him what mm-hmm. was going on. Because it's very, very clear to me. And this is part of his main character flaw, Reese, is that he does everything himself. And he doesn't ever outsource to people to actually ask for help. He has no faith in humanity or faith. Reese does mm-hmm. not have even the most basic collaborative skills. Not even with the inner circle sometimes. No. <laughs> and that is a very, like, that's big toxic masculinity flag. Which is... Again, so a theme in going, these books. Going back, though, to Tarquin, who is, Hot. in my opinion, less toxically masculine. In this, he's also in this younger. Moment. He's younger. He's uh-huh. just... Okay, but he's just watched his father get murdered, and he is clearly still trying on his own to help, to do something. Mm-hmm. And that takes a hell of a lot of guts. 
a lot of courage. It takes a lot, and you can tell that he cares about this male who Reese ends up having to kill. And I just, I, I wonder if that's why Reese thinks that there will be distrust down the line is because Tarquin has to watch him, watch him do that to a member of his court. But Tarquin but, knows, Tarquin knows that when Reese went into his mind, that Reese knew there were more people involved, that Summer was rebelling again, again, which would have been the end of probably the entire court. Again, it goes back to that point that you made a few episodes ago. These are supposed to be incredibly small people that have been alive for hundreds of years. Why can't they have some basic deductive reasoning skills and figure out via some pretty obvious actions that... I just think, yeah, I think it's a huge mistake born from ego Mm. on Reese's part in Mist and Fury to make everybody lie to Tarquin. Tarquin is really the one who is the most receptive to saying, hey, things need to change. Mm -hmm. Because the reason we all got stuck under the mountain to begin with was because we didn't communicate Communicate with with each other. other. And to Feyre's credit, she's the one who makes Reese eventually see that. And and the fact that Reese, like... We have notes. (laughs) I am am already disappointed in his... Like, I'm excited to reread Mist and Fury... But I also know... Well, it'll be interesting reading it through this lens now. It will, because I know that I'm going to be frustrated with, with Reese again on multiple accounts. Specifically this About one. About this. This is going to be a big one. I believe that Tarquin is a very good leader. Like, he seems to me... Fair. Based on what I know of him from remembering through the first read and what I'm seeing of him now on this first sort of reintroduction, mm-hmm. he is actually really the only one who seems like a good leader. And no, so we I have, we, we, so we I can't have a lot blank of him without saying yeah because we don't have we met the other high lords but from the three that we've met I would take him above both Reese and Tamlin. He just seems like a really good guy. He seems brave. He seems you know and like and Amarantha he keeps it together. He doesn't lose it. That takes a lot of strength. Mm-hmm. I was just very impressed. First, as far as first impressions go. I think we might he, have a new winner. He wins. I think so. I would like. <laughs> I was very impressed, and it's funny because on the first read, it was a throwaway character. I don't was, even think that I remember him. Like when yeah. I met him in Mist and Fury, you he, you remember like I was You're meeting like, him. Oh yeah, but it really seemed like I was meeting him for the first time. But when I reread this sequence, I just wanted to give him a hug. I agree with you. It was kind of like when uh, Lucian talked about the younglings dying in the Winter Court, and now knowing that that was Vivian. You know, like rereading when you meet these characters for the first time and you just, the little things that you pick up about them mean so much more because of what you know. Yeah. And I think that makes up for maybe the lack of excitement on the reread. Yeah. That like you, yes, you lose some of that anticipation and some of the shock factor, but you gain new appreciation and value for so many small moments that you might have glanced over the first time around I like that observation Mm. what did you make of Amarantha not really caring about what Resand was doing to Feyre during the nighttime gross pot during the the, the dancing the the dancing because he says in Mist and Fury that he made it so good for her like with whatever power he had remaining that for Amarantha? For Amarantha. Like, in, in a sexual in sense, in bed. Like, he made her trust him more than she trusted anybody else 
with what is left of his powers and then he flaunts favor in front of her after having said humans don't mean anything to me and it just well because i think amarantha thought by like this is she like no because he's disrespecting her and he's being his plaything yeah and it's and it's killing tamlin even though he hasn't even though he hasn't made any kind of like reaction whatsoever yeah but they know she knows and I think that as long as Feyre is being abused in some kind of way, Amarantha doesn't care. She was just very uninvolved in these five chapters. I agree. And I that's why I'm kind of, like, this is this is where Amarantha starts to fall a little bit short for me. Yeah. As like, far as the villains go. Even in the second cost, which I expected, like, on the reread, I didn't remember. I was talking how to kind of, like, come back and be extra evil and do something else that was going to put me into a, a, some kind of rage. And I didn't feel that. The yeah. only relationship that the, that she had with anyone really the only interaction she had with anyone during the second task was with Lucian and Reese wasn't even really with her even after the task finished we didn't really have a conversation between them right she just went back to herself well and I also think it's now getting to the point where Amarantha never expected her to make it this far yeah. so I do think Amarantha is in a little bit of uncharted territory yeah and so she might be biding her time. Maybe she's starting to suspect that Reese is not fully, fully on board with, you know, in her corner. Well, she's not dumb. Hopefully she knows that really nobody wants her that. But I did have a note, like, the fact that Farah's catching on to Reese's insubordination and nobody else seems to be noticing seemed like a little bit of a miss to me. Although he is showing her pieces of himself that he is not showing to anybody else. And it could be that Feyre's paying attention. Like, everybody else might have just been looking at Reese and that, like, maybe Feyre was the only... He's had 50 years to paint a portrait of the person that he is presenting to them all. And he is not presenting the same person to Feyre. So I do think we have to remember that. Yeah, that's true. A quick note about the second trial. There is a moment when Feyre realizes that Lucian is chained to the floor... She looks around and she sees his brothers, but she does not see his parents. They are that. they are not there. Does she know what Baron looks like at this point? I think she's seen she's seen she's him seen all the, of them because all yeah. the high lords were present or whatever. Well, the four brothers that remain, at least from what we think we know at this point, are the bloodthirsty sort, excluding Eris. Right, but why why aren't Baron and Lady Autumn there? Could be a red herring, or it could be. Just something that SJM didn't. I'm just really on a big autumn. You are on a big because I think there is so much richness there and so much history there that we have yet to unfold. And especially like when we get to the next episode, like there was a huge detail that Mm. screamed out at me that I totally missed the first time, and I'm not even going to talk about it now because I wanted to be surprised. But oh, I haven't. I wonder if I'll pick up the same. Like, are they staying? (laughs) Like, why aren't they there? Are they not there because they can't trust themselves not to show emotion with their youngest son? That seems you know like what more I mean? something that Lady Autumn would do and not Baron. Right. So where is where Baron? Where is Baron? Why being conniving wouldn't, somewhere? Wouldn't Baron be like relishing this like his son who betrayed his court maybe and there's his something and well no I, I don't know I don't like, know why isn't Baron there what is he doing I don't know maybe he's taking a shit who knows <laughs> like you said you gotta go you it gotta could go. be nothing it could be nothing it could be nothing but I did just because Feyre and by extension Sarah Jamas makes a point 
of noting mm. that Lord and Lady Autumn are absent, I thought it was worth noting here. For future potential Easter eggs. Potentially, mm-hmm. yes. The last note that I have, it's not really a spoiler per se, but the music that is played when she is in those depths of despair mm-hmm. is something that she continues to hold on to throughout the rest of this series. Like that moment I think was very, very pivotal for her. Oh yeah, like, I would agree. And and it was Reese showing her without showing her who he truly is yes. as a person. No, that is he, a, it is a beautiful <clears throat> scene. It's you're right. It is the first time and we don't know we don't that know we don't it know it that that's point. what we're experiencing. But again, as a, on the richness of a reread, you do understand that that's him. And I and isn't only he, he knew isn't he in isn't he with Amarantha or like he's still like in her I don't chambers if maybe or something? If he's with her. But, but he feels that Feyre is breaking and he's like And it's like the one thing that he her. can do to keep her, keep that from happening. Yeah. And it is just so like for all of the awful things that he does in this, we have to remember he is a, again a morally gray character. He has good and he has bad. Yeah, and that's and what makes it. Moments, that's what makes him so and his amazing good moments, to read about. We like all the ones that made us fall in love with him as a character. His good moments are so good that they force you to justify the moment. But that is where why we are here you. to just keep everybody. <laughs> Keep Keep everyone honest. I did have a couple of other notes going back to the second task and like shortly after the second task when Reese comes to her cell and she is like not having any of it. Mm -hmm. It was giving a little bit of Rowan and Aelin to me. Oh my god. And she is just (laughs) so so disgusted with him. (laughs) She's so stubborn. He's being so antagonistic to her. I was like, somebody throw a punch. (laughs) And then I did want to give a quick shout out for, you know, we have our shadow daddies. But our shadow baddies, Nuala. We need to talk about, I actually have a note about them too. Is that how we pronounce them? Did you look it up? Nuala? That seems obvious. Nuala Caridwin. It's Caridwin? Yes. I thought it was Saradwin. So that's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Caridwin. Caridwin. Okay. Yeah, they come in so clutch especially also in Mr. Fear and they actually they oh my god do they remind throughout? you of the Patil twins is that who you make you think of no I was still thinking of the Hogwarts ghost they can go through walls yeah but the way together she's like what are she was like what was that and they both go trouble it reminds me of Kavati <laughs> Kavati and her sister going hi Harry Kavati <laughs> I can't think of who they remind me of but there is a certain character duo in some sort of fantasy yeah. film or book that I have read that reminds me of Nuala and Caridwin. I'm excited to spend more time with them. I found some really cool fan art of them, actually, that I want to post. I saw some, too, that's been popping up. Yeah. Especially the way they take care of her. Like, I think that they become almost sources of comfort for her, especially in Mist and Fury. It's... When she meets them again for the first time, is it awkward at all? Like, I can't remember. I think it's just like, oh... These two again, when she first comes back to the House of Wind. But is there a moment where she's like, okay, we're not doing the body paint. I don't know. Okay? <laughs> no, there Because if it were me and I saw them again, I'd be like, I don't I'm think she's expected to do body right paint when there. she arrives at the I'm House gonna of Wind. I'm going to stop you right there because we're not doing the body paint <laughs> thing. It's not happening. When they painted more intimate parts of her. What were they doing? Literally painting her vagina? 
and her tits? I don't have an answer for you. (laughs) Yeah, I think the only other note that I had was to go back to the conversation that we were having about Amarantha's powers. Mm. We do get confirmation that she does need spells and potions to channel Mm -hmm. her magic. But it is implied that the King of Hybern does not need those things. Right. Which is interesting because when we talked about it last episode, we were saying that he also seems to need those things with his spell book and the cauldron. Like he's a big fan of using the cauldron. And this is somewhat of an inconsistency, I think, because well, even I have in to reread. I have to reread because I don't remember the specifics of how his power is described. Fair enough. And that's why I'm noting it because as we go on this reread journey, like I'm trying to take more detailed stock of everything we Especially learned the about rules these characters and the world building and the rules of the magic yes exactly i did think it was interesting that in in this moment this vision of the music that he sends her the conclusion it eventually leads her to is that I'm she's in love with tamlin <laughs> no she's like oh my god the music well, reminded point- me of the green of tamlin's eyes and the golden of his hair and like all of a sudden she's like just really hearing all and this like a beautiful music palette. this beautiful music from reese and it's making her think of tamlin and it's like oh damn that's um, so close that's tough well, I think also at that reason. point, it's the only th- it's the only kind of love that she's ever felt in her life, and she has a note me, about that in Mister Fury. She's like, I think that so mad. Like, I'm so not excited to read this next little like moment between her and Tamlin because be at, when I read it through the first <laughs> time, it was like so thrilling and like, and I was like, oh. and he now just couldn't help himself, and now you're angry, and now I'm like, you mother. <laughs> And I'm like, do something. <laughs> Lucian would do something. Lucian would do many things. Because Lucian is always 10 steps ahead. Oh my god, that just made me think of Game of Thrones. When Daenerys asked Miss Sunday, what happened? Between her and Grey Worm. And Miss Sunday goes, many things. <laughs> and on that note, I think we should wrap it up. We are going to give you a quick reminder of our handles so you can go follow them. And also, if you feel so inclined, you should leave us a review on review, Apple Podcasts, rating, Spotify. Anywhere you want. You could also YouTube. share us with your fellow SJM girlies. I find like a new one every week where I'm like, do you know that we have a podcast called The Greatest Genre, which will change your life? <laughs> if we do it will guarantee many giggles so you can follow us on instagram at the underscore greatest genre on twitter at greatest genre we are on tiktok at the greatest genre, genre. please email us at the greatest genre at gmail.com we will have our link tree updated hopefully with an upcoming etsy page shop for some merch merch it's exciting stuff it's gonna be t-shirts sweatshirts and bookmarks I think, right off the bat. Yep. And then one other final note, and we'll we'll do a separate post about this, but it's our final episode coming up of season one, which is insane. A year ago, we were like, should we do a podcast? I know. I remember. (laughs) I remember. I don't even know. A year ago, I don't even... A year ago, I was finishing 
No, I think you, you know, you finished Throne of Gloss near the end of this. I think it was like Olga. Because in June, you were reading. I was reading Air of Fire and Queen of Shadows. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, you had definitely done in July. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Or August. And Anyways. then we wouldn't shut up about it. And then someone was like, so, you yeah, guys should just. So, yeah, it was probably just... right around mm-hmm. a year ago. Very exciting stuff. I know. So, we have one more episode of thematic discussion. Mm-hmm. And we are going to do a special episode dedicated to fan casting yeah because we are still holding out hope for the hulu show we it is not yet lost yes hope is not lost so please 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 send us your fan cast ideas we want to do a whole episode dedicated to who we think things we could jessica we might fight during that episode that's fine i don't think we'll fight no just disagree in a really friendly way okay I just think that you and I have different fan costs for certain characters. But I think we have very aligned fan costs on others. But we digress. I don't think we're going to do the Bat Boys yet, though, because it's just it's for Akatar. It's too much. And also, that would take way too long. Well, one of the Bat Boys is an Akatar, so we'll have to... Oh, well, Reese, yeah. Well, Reese, yes, would be included in the fan cast episode. But Cassian and Asriel, I don't think will will be. All right. So, on that note... Thank you so much if you are still with us. We super appreciate you. And we cannot wait to be back with you in two weeks for episode nine of A Court of Thorns and Roses, the final five chapters. We will see you guys next time. Thanks so much. Bye.